Welcome to the WFO Life Podcast. Buckle up for interviews, insights, and practical discussions, and the occasional intellectual oddity, all designed to help you master self, master craft, and accomplish any life mission. Each one of those markers at Arlington National Cemetery is a monument to the kinds of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosen Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We are told that on his body was found a diary. On the fly leaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure, I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost, as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. The crisis we are facing today does not require of us this kind of sacrifice that Martin Triptal and so many thousands of others were called upon to make. It does require, however, our best effort and our willingness to believe in ourselves and to believe in our capacity to perform great deeds, to believe that together, with God's help, we can and will resolve the problems which now confront us. And after all, why shouldn't we believe that? We are Americans. God bless you and thank you. Well, I wish I would have come up with that myself it's actually from Ronald Reagan's first inaugural address on January 20th, 1981. And in the show notes, I'll put a link to the video, which is one of the most powerful videos uh, I know that I've seen. But I was pondering what to talk about this week and uh, wanted to do a leadership topic. And with all the, uh, the bad news, it seems like, that's pouring in, uh, I wanted to go back to the great communicator in one of my favorite passages where he refers back uh, to a World War I private uh, on that My Pledge uh, I just read. So uh, it's actually not the the focus of what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to read a little bit longer uh, passage, but related. And I really want to start to get uh, more feedback and, and really just give everyone some references uh, from from my perspective and things I've learned in my almost 20 years in in the military. So what I'm going to read to you now is called A Message to Garcia. Uh, Some of you may have heard of it, uh, and for probably 30 years, it was on the uh, Commandant of the Marine Corps' reading list. And for various things that I'll get into into briefly after I read it, um, it it was removed uh, just a handful of years ago. But I think it has timely wisdom um, that we can reflect on in both our personal and our professional life. So this is a message to Garcia 
written by Elbert Hubbard in 1899. In all this Cuban business, there's one man who stands out on the horizon of my memory, like Mars at perihelion. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain fastness of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail or telegraph could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, There is a fellow by the name of Rowan. We'll find Garcia for you if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How, the fellow by name of Rowan, took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, and four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot, and having delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is, President McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the Eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and statue placed in every college in the land. It is not book learning young men need, nor instruction about this or that but a stiffening of the vertebrae which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed but has well nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or willingness to concentrate on a thing and do it. Slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule. No man succeeds unless by hook or by crook or threat he forces or bribes other men to assist him. Or mayhap, God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this matter to a test. You are sitting now in your office. Six clerks are within your call. Summon any one and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Corrigio. Will the clerk quietly say, yes, sir, and go do the task? On your life, he will not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shan't I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off 
and get one of the other clerks to help him find Garcia. And then come back and tell you there's no such man. Of course, I may lose my bet, but according to the law of averages, I will not. Now, if you're wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Carigio is indexed under the C's, not in the K's. But you will smile sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch, hold, and lift are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. If men will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their effort is for all? A first mate with knotted club seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce. Saturday night holds many a worker in his place. Advertise for a stenographer, and nine times out of ten who will apply can neither spell nor punctuate, and do not think it is necessary to. Can such one... Can such a one write a letter to Garcia? You see that book, bookkeeper, said the foreman to me in a large factory. Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd sent him to town on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right. On the other hand, he might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, he would forget what he'd been sent for. Can such a man be entrusted to carry a message to Garcia? We have recently been nearing much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizens of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment, and with it often go many hard words for the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get frowsy ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work. In his long patient striving with help, that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is constantly sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interests of their business, and others are being taken on. No matter how good times are, this sorting continues. Only if times are hard and work is scarce, this sorting is done finer. But out and forever out, the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best, those who can carry a message to Garcia. I know one man of really brilliant parts who has not the ability to manage a business of his own and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else because he carries with him constantly the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing or intending to oppress him. He cannot give orders, and he will not receive them. So should a message be given him to take to Garcia, his answer would probably be, Take it yourself. Tonight this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one knows him dare employ him, for he is a regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Of course I know that no one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple. But in your pitying, let us drop a, a tear, too, for the men 
who are striving to carry on a great enterprise. Those working hours are not limited by the whistle and whose hair is fast turning white through their struggle to hold the line in dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude which, but for their enterprise, would be both hungry and homeless. Have I put the manner too strongly? Possibly I have. But when all the world is gone, a slumming, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds, the man who, against great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and, having succeeded, find there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for a day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor, and I know there is something to be said on both sides. There is no excellence, per se, in poverty. Rags are no recommendation, and all employers are not rapacious and high-handed, any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away, as well as when he is home. And the man who, when given a letter for Garcia, quietly takes the missive without asking any idiotic questions, and with no lurking intention of chucking it into the nearest sewer, or of doing aught else but deliver it, never gets laid off, nor has to go on strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long, anxious search for such individuals. Anything such a man asks will be granted. His kind, or his kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such. He is needed and needed badly. The man who can carry a message to Garcia. So, like I mentioned earlier, a message to Garcia was required reading for at least the last 30 plus years in the Marine Corps. And you could probably see why uh, without much thought. It, it really is a message about sometimes you're given a task and, you know, our lot is not to question why, and in um, in a lot of cases um, we may want to, but uh, if you understand the situation, uh, there are a lot of tasks that are just that black and white. And part of the reason uh, that this was taken taken out of required military reading in 2016, I believe it was was really due to the complexity of the modern battlefield. Uh, but I really don't think um, that that alleviated the need to understand um, situations where sometimes um, you know, the task is just that black and white, and there's a lesson to be learned for all of us, uh, even outside the military. You know, Sometimes there's things that, that have to be done, that need to be done in a certain timeline. We may not like to do them. They may not be that clear, but uh, whether it be someone in our family, uh, co-worker, uh, supervisor, uh, or what have you, uh, it just needs to be done. And I think um, there is a time to question, and uh, I think that uh, it really discounted the ability of uh, the highly intelligent, uh, you know, modern Marine, modern soldier to um, be able to differentiate uh, these tasks. So I think the fear was that 
uh, if this was a required reading uh, from the higher ups that um, instead of having thinking Marines and soldiers on the battlefield, we're trying to create robots, but that's not the case. But, but there's still situations on the modern battlefield or in our workplace that, you know, sometimes you just got to be quiet and, and do the task. Um, and like I said, that's not to say that you can't question, uh, but sometimes it, it is just that uh, black and white it needs to be accomplished or, or, or else. And uh, I think that um, sometimes in our, our modern society, um, it, it's really a, a lost art, if you will. Um, in, in simple minimum wage jobs, um, you know, because of really things being too easy uh you know it's been a long time since uh we've had a uh, a depression uh, that was felt by everybody uh, that we've had wars like world war one and world war two or even vietnam and korea where there was a draft uh so i think that um you know maybe with with all the uh either real or perceived hardship going on in the united states uh, we should look back a little bit on our history, and sometimes, um, you know, things can be uh, at face value, and, and not everything has to be up for interpretation. Um, and I think us as, you know, caring, thinking human beings should be able to differentiate when an assigned task is, you know, something that uh, should have no discussion. You know, you're told to do something and you do it. And there's other cases where it be more nuanced. But I think, you know, whether it be the pledge by Martin Triptow and, uh, you know, recounted by that powerful speech by Ronald Reagan or a message to Garcia, there's a lot that can be learned uh, from some of these, you know, simple uh, but time-tested stories, uh, you know, dating back to you know, World War One and before. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a lot of links to, you know, some other articles reflecting on message to Garcia, the, the video by President Reagan, you know, reading um, Martin Triptow's pledge in his first inaugural. But I'm looking forward to, um, you know, what our audience gets out of it, and especially in the future Focus Health Network and specifically the WFO Live Podcast Tribe. We've had a lot of good ideas and good interaction. And so uh, this podcast for Dr. Curtis and I would not be worth doing if we didn't have interaction from uh, our listeners every week. So uh, I appreciate your time and attention to this, and I look forward to uh, getting your take on it. And I will post links to the full text. So uh, if you want to, you know, dissect it yourself and not just uh, try to listen to the sound of my voice and, and get what you need to from it, uh, I'd appreciate it. Um, and look forward in the future, uh, we're going to start having some more opportunities for Dr. Curtis and I to interact uh, with people, uh, not only in our uh, listening audience, but uh, probably some of your employers uh, and others were looking to do, you know, both medical and leadership development classes, both online and in person. But we appreciate uh, your support and we look forward to interacting with you shortly. Thanks. Out.